Hello and welcome to the United Launch Alliance Vulcan Centaur podcast. I'm Derek Brecken, and I'll be your host over the course of this series as we sit down with the team bringing ULA's newest rocket to life. Jeremy Ralph, a trajectory design engineer. Trajectory design, um, historically for Atlas and Delta, kind of take customer inputs, customer requirements, um, and figures out how to fly the vehicle in such a way to meet their requirements, right? Um, with Vulcan, it's a, a tad different where we have general customer requirements, but we're kind of coming up with the design constraints on how to fly a vehicle to meet a wider, a wider range of uh, missions. So uh, with that, we our responsibility is to figure out how to best optimize the rocket that we're designing to meet a, a huge variety of missions. So, you know, we're, we run hundreds of simulations every week to figure out, you know, what tweak does this to what missions. Um, and so we tend to uh, really focus on optimizing, you know, the thrust of the engines, the, the amount of propellant on board, and, and uh, really optimize a lot of those factors to, to meet all our customer needs. What would you say is the most exciting element that you've worked on so far of uh, Vulcan trajectory specifically? So for Vulcan trajectory design, it's just kind of part of the beast is I get to be involved in in every basically decision, right? If something grows in mass, it's going to affect performance. Therefore, I'm the one who kind of steps in and is like, can we think of something better? So I'm kind of the babysitter to all the real smart people to say, hey, uh, your design's affecting performance in this way. Can we figure out something better to do? Um, so in that aspect, it's enjoyable to uh, to be a part of basically every decision in the rocket design uh, business. What would you say is the biggest departure or the biggest development um, in Vulcan's performance capability in comparison to Atlas or Delta lines? Yeah, so um, what's Atlas and Delta are both incredibly capable vehicles. Um, the interesting thing is Vulcan's kind of taken the best best of both of those rockets, uh, combined them, and then turned it up to 11, right? Where our upper stage is uh, nearly three times as big as the Centaur 3 and, and produces twice as much thrust. And so uh, those two combinations provide an, an amazing amount of performance out of a single stick vehicle, right? It has the capability of of launching Delta IV heavy performance uh, uh, loads to the missions that we're trying to get to in a single stick. So Vulcan's design is uh, is designed in such a way so that we can expand our performance to missions that we're not even expecting yet, right? A great example of that is NASA is really pushing to get humans back to the moon and trying to be a part of that. We need to increase our performance. And so Vulcan provides a very great base with which to grow um, our performance capabilities to meet even more and more demanding missions. So uh, I think Vulcan has a good starting point and uh, a good evolution to, to expand. So, you know, we're aggressively trying to pursue commercial customers in the sense of dual launch, right? Dual payloads on one, on one launch. And again, the Vulcan's performance capability allows us to compete with the best commercial launchers out there as well, both on performance and uh, and now price standpoint as well. So uh, it's a it's a 
vehicle that is basically designed to meet everybody's needs and and even future needs that we don't even know about. So what about the technology roadmap? So as we're looking at these first couple of missions, it's possible that there's going to be more configurations that are not available now. Um, right. What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, just kind of as a juxtaposition, Astrobotic is their payload is going to weigh 1,500 kilograms that will eventually land on the moon. Um, we'll be launching that on a two solid uh, Vulcan, which is actually overkill in terms of performance in that. We could launch it on a zero solid if needed. Um, but you know, our next four or five years down the line, we're looking at launching 14 metric tons to eventually land on the moon. And so that huge span of 1,500 kilograms to 14 metric tons, now with six solids with uh, a upper stage that's been substantially reduced in weight uh, with uh, engines that are, are more capable, that evolution of growth just in a few years, even after we've kind of completely designed and developed the, the initial Vulcan, um, is, is quite exciting and quite uh, daunting in some ways to to make that sort of leap in performance. So what type of hurdles do you guys anticipate um, as you're dramatically scaling up the ability of this rocket? <laughs> so it, I, I forgot what the concept's called, but basically the last like 2% is the 98% of the work, right? And so we've, we've gone uh, in our few years of designing Vulcan have designed a very capable initial offering. Um, but to get to that, you know, 14 metric tons to, to get even, you know, more mass to the moon, um, that becomes harder and harder and more expensive as, as we go. So the goal is to a figure out how to do it first, but B also keep costs under control so that we don't, we still have a competitive, competitively priced rocket. Um, so those two kind of, uh, in combination are, are definitely, I think the biggest hurdles. Atlas and, and Delta have both flight demonstrated all our reference missions for the government. Um, and Vulcan just basically takes that heritage and like puts it all into one rocket. So yeah, I guess, yeah, what's interesting is the phase two proposal. Um, we were considered best value overall, right? So our, our price has actually come down substantially, uh, and is, makes us very competitive in the commercial marketplace going forward with Vulcan. And then combine that with our ability to have multi-manifest missions where we launch two or more missions on on one launch basically cuts a spacecraft provider's launch cost in half since they get to share it with another uh, another ride. Um, so those two, uh, just just the fact that we've been able to substantially reduce the overall price of a base vehicle and then expand our capabilities to uh, supply better value to uh, all our customers is definitely a, a good leap forward for our company. Your role here is trajectory design, uh, and that is essentially getting the rocket where it needs to go. Yep. Um, where does the rocket need to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a lot of different places that we send spacecraft, right? We could go uh, what we call low Earth orbit LEO. Uh, that's where the space uh, space station resides, where we send cargo up to you know 100 to 200 uh, nautical miles above the Earth. Uh, and then it'll eventually rendezvous and, and come back. Uh, we send GPS satellites to what we call mid-Earth orbit, MEOs. Uh, those are, you know, tend to be around 10,000 nautical miles above the Earth. Um, we also do GEOs, geostationary Earth orbits. Uh, those are 23,000 miles above the Earth. 
Um, and each one of those progressively uh, gets harder and harder to reach in terms of payload mass to that specific orbit. For example, our max capability to LEO is on the order of 60,000 pounds. Uh, to GEO, it's 14,500 5, 14, pounds. Uh, so uh, as you get higher and higher, obviously, the mass that you that you can take there decreases. So getting to each orbit requires a certain amount of performance. Yep. Uh, break down uh, the performance, I guess. How, how does it differ as if you're going from one to the other? Right. So uh, one, one of the cool things about Vulcan is that it's capable of uh, having multiple upper stage burns, right? So for Leo, you only need to have one upper stage to reach or one upper stage burn to reach orbit. Um, for Geo, we need three, if not four, to then dispose of these the spacecraft. So the ability for us to restart the engine multiple times hours after the last last burn uh, provides a huge capability to actually reach these uh, really far out there uh, orbits. Um, and you know, as as you do more and more burns, that you're burning propellant um, that results in what we call delta V, uh, and you need more and more delta V to be able to reach these these higher and higher orbits. So again, the the Vulcan is designed so that we optimize our Leo uh, capability. Whereas a Geo mission, we need as much fuel as we can put on the rocket to actually use once we're six hours into the mission. Um, so uh, in that sense, again, Vulcan's super capable and super uh, versatile to um, to all these different uh, classes of orbits that we go to. So we've talked a little bit about performance. Can you tell me a little bit about the precision that's required to reach some of these orbits? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's pretty intense. Um, I'll, we'll take Astrobotic for as an example. Um, we're launching them into what we call a, a new orbit, a, a translunar injection orbit, which is an orbit that will eventually uh, reach the moon. Um, the interesting thing is they'll be doing, they'll be waiting uh, one and a half laps of that orbit to eventually reach the moon. Kind of as a, an example, Apollo just did half of a TLI orbit to reach the moon. So they'll be doing uh, one and a half laps, so two, two and a half week orbit to eventually reach the moon. And the ability, when we first inject into that orbit, we need to be so precise that you know two and a half weeks later, they're going to end up exactly at the moon where they need to do their uh, maneuvers to eventually land on the moon. So the precision to um, target and uh, meet those really tight orbit injection accuracies to to reach something like that is is pretty impressive. Um, again, the Vulcan kind of takes its heritage from Atlas and Delta, which have been historically very accurate in those um, in those orbit uh, precision. So uh, we're using basically the same methods, the same uh, computers, and all that stuff, uh, putting it on Vulcan and. And going to have the same capability, basically. And I'll just ask you uh, to to define, to the best of your ability, yeah, put me on the spot. some of the terms that we've gone over so sure. far in this episode. So uh, we'll, we'll start with performance. So performance is kind of it's a it's a nebulous phrase, I guess. But in in this sense, performance tends to be uh, pounds of payload to a specific orbit. Um, it could also be if you have a specific mass to an orbit, it's how much propellant is left over. Uh, once you reach that orbit, uh, that then you could use for other uses. Uh, so, uh, but typically, yeah, performance is pounds of payload to a specific orbit. And when we're talking about performance, you mentioned 
uh, upper stage. How does that differ from like the the solid rocket booster that might be on the or the or the initial burn? Sure. So uh, so the booster, the SRBs, and the upper stage all have propellant um, that all provide uh, delta V, basically how much velocity that you could put into the rocket. Uh, the booster with two B four engines, uh, they and the booster itself has a million plus pounds of propellant on board, uh, and then we have the SRBs that uh, that are we could dial from two, four, or six SRBs in addition that all add extra delta V capability, and meaning we could put more and more velocity into the into the payload to reach whatever orbit. Um, and then the upper stage, you know, has a max capacity of 120,000 pounds of propellant uh, and two RL10 engines. Um, and so all that fuel, you know, we're talking 2 million plus pounds of, of propellant on board uh, all gets used to put how much ever mass that we need to put into orbit. In the trajectory world, uh, we like to say uh, we're basically the center of the rocket universe in the company, right? Everybody, everything comes through us. Everything's kind of, you know, sent out through us. Um, and so having kind of a toe in the waters of every single piece of the rocket is, is, is very exciting. Um, with that, you know, I have to take everybody's incredible detailed designs and, you know, everybody's insanely more knowledgeable about every single little piece of the rocket than I ever can be. Um, and so, uh, ensuring that I'm modeling what they're designing to the best of our ability is, is paramount to our ability to predict where we're actually going to end up. Right. And how much performance we actually can, uh, take to each one of these, uh, orbits. So, um, it's a, it's a fun, but, uh, daunting task to, uh, incorporate everybody's designs into our, uh, simulations in our models to ensure that we're actually predicting what the rocket's going to do. So it's, uh, it's fun and nerve-wracking all at the same time. Thanks for listening to United Launch Alliance's Vulcan Centaur series. In the next episode, we'll hear from ULA Systems Engineering Integration and Test Lead for the Vulcan's Upgrade Team, Chris Larson, as we continue our conversation on reaching new heights. If you'd like to stay up to date with ULA news and events, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ULA Launch.